Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Thank you, dear Father God, for your holy written word. We know that we can trust our lives to its provisions. Holy Spirit of our God, enlarge our capacity now to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness, as we as an act of our will open up our hearts and minds to become receptive, attentive, ears to be alert and open, dear Father God, to hear what you would have to say by your Spirit through your Word. I thank you personally for utterance in the Holy Ghost and making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the Word of life, that our faith would stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God in Jesus' name. Amen. God, our Father, has provided for us everything that we need to experience an abundant life while we're living here upon this earth. And what this really means is that as far as God is concerned, all of our personal needs have already been met in His Son, Jesus. Jesus, who died for us, redeemed us from the fall. And everything that we need to experience a productive, successful life, an abundant life, is found in Him. Whether it's financial blessing, whether it's in our business, our social lives, our religious lives, whether it's in our physical being, our moral makeup, spiritual lives, whatever it is, if we need a, an answer to a question, a solution to a problem, God has provided all of it for us through Christ Jesus our Lord. He withheld not His only Son, and therefore by Him He gives us freely all things to enjoy. Well, although God wills our success, how many of you have been a Christian long enough to be aware of the fact that you have an enemy who opposes God and man? And everything that God has provided, Satan opposes. Satan is opposing your success in life. Satan is opposing our success in business. He is opposing our success in spirit, soul, and body. He does not want us to experience the full benefits that God has provided for us through His great redemptive plan because He does not like God and He does not like man. And as far as Jesus is concerned, He Himself said, I came to give you abundant life, but the thief comes not for, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His main aim and purpose is to target the life of the child of God for the purposes of destruction, to steal from us, and ultimately destroy us in every realm or sphere of life. Well, beloved, as believers, we've got to make a decision. And that decision is this, to take what belongs to us by force. It's time to stop being passive and inactive in our faith and to become those who will, by force violent force, take what belongs to us because Jesus died in order for us to have it. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Exodus, and I would like to illustrate what Jesus was saying here to us. 
He said, up until this time, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, but the violent or violent men take it by force. Beck's translation says, violent men are taking it by force. I never considered myself to be a violent person until I read this. And then I made a decision of my will that I would be that kind of a person for the kingdom of God. I would develop within me that attitude of spiritual violence where I would stand against the opposition of the enemy and take what belongs to me by force. And that is the force of faith and patience and the anointing of God. In Exodus chapter 23, beginning at verse 20. Exodus chapter 23, beginning at verse 20. Too often there are those that are out there in the world today, bona fide believers who have not been properly taught the word pertaining to the kingdom of God. And therefore they are passive in their faith. Their faith is inactive. They've been taught the lie that the reason for their problems or difficulties or circumstances of life or trials of life is due to the fact that God is tempting them or testing them or trying them or trying to perfect their faith or that God has a reason for it. As a result, they are passively accepting everything the enemy is, is bringing their way. They are not rising up in spirit, using tenacious faith, ardent zeal, violent force to take what belongs to them. They are sitting back, receiving everything that's coming from God and not the enemy, and therefore, they are defeated. You will notice that God has made His will known, clearly known to His people. In verse 20, after delivering the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, taking them through the Red Sea with the mighty working of His power, He brought them to the other side and then said, Look, it's not enough. I don't want you just to be a delivered people and then going about wandering aimlessly accepting everything that comes down the pike. He said, I have designed a place for you. I have prepared a place for you, a place that I want you to enter into. Let's read it. Behold, I sent an angel before thee, this is Exodus twenty-three twenty, to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. You can't get caught up in that one victory. Thank God we've been delivered from sin and thank God we are His children. See, their deliverance from Egypt was a type of our salvation. We've been born again. We're children of God, and we're thankful for that. But too many want to stop right there, and that's all they ever experience in their lives. But God has also prepared a place for us as He prepared a place for them. It's a beautiful place. God has always had a beautiful place for His people. In the beginning with Adam, He had a wonderful place for them, a place where there was no sin, where there was no sickness, where there was no disease, where there was no bondage, and where there was no death. And Adam and Eve did not need anything at all to help them overcome because there was nothing to overcome. They were a free people in a perfect environment. But after the fall, you know the story. They opened up the way to the enemy in the kingdom of darkness, and a people has come to every realm of life ever since. After dealing with them, we see that God began to deal with His people Israel. And after their deliverance from Egypt, He provided a place for them. It's called Canaan's land. Specifically designed by God for their benefit. 
And he goes on and he says, I want to bring you to the land or to the place which I have prepared. So beware of him that is the angel. In verse 21, obey his voice, provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies, an adversary to your adversaries. For mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. Now notice. He shall bless your bread. It's a place God provided where there's blessing for food and drink their water. That's talking about physical sustenance. It's also a place, a land, where he says, I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Today in, in our society, that's an unheard of land. Where is such a place? Where is such a utopia where we can live apart from sickness and disease? Those dreaded diseases that face us in everyday life. But God provided that place. God had that place in the beginning with Adam. God had that place with the Israelites. And God has that place for us today, beloved. And you know what? Read the back of the book. When we get there, it's the same place. Freedom from bondage and sickness and disease and sin and poverty and lack and want. It's there. It's ours. He provides it. He doesn't stop there. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren. In thy land, the number of thy days I will fulfill. You can just sense from within the very heart of the Father God crying out to His people. I've got beautiful things for you. I've got a dream place for you. I want you to enter into it. It's yours. Follow me. I'll lead you there. Well, beloved, even though God had this place prepared for them, a place that is beyond imagination, even though God willed their entrance into it, they failed under the leadership of Moses to enter in. And as you read the story in the book of Numbers, you discover that there were giants before them that caused their hearts to fear and as a result they failed to enter into the fullness of God's blessing for their lives. We know that those giants were literal giants that they saw. They spied out the land. They saw that it flowed with milk and honey. It was a, a land to be desired just as God said. But there were giants in the land. They were no match for their strength. They said, we're grasshoppers before them. There's nothing that we can do. Although it would be wonderful if we could, we can't, so we won't. And oh, did the Father's heart begin to cry out. Oh, was He upset with His people. He wanted them to have so much, yet they chose to have so little. Those giants to them may have been literal giants, beloved. But you know what? They weren't defeated by the literal presence of giant men who were men of war. The giants that they were defeated by included the giant of fear, the giant of unbelief, the giant of discouragement, and the giant of a lack of spiritual initiative. 
unbelief, fear, discouragement, a lack of spiritual initiative. They had no patience. They lacked patience. These were the giants that stood before them that prevented their entrance into a place to be desired. A place that anyone would long to live in. Where God would bless their bread, bless their water, take sickness and disease away from the midst of them, fulfill the number of their days, no miscarriages among them. A wonderful place where they would serve God joyfully, cheerfully, and gladly from their hearts. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, I want you to turn there with me if you would please. I believe there's truth here that needs to be understood by the child of God. Their unbelief, their fear, their lack of vision, their lack of spiritual initiative, their lack of patience prevented them from entering into the full promises of God. Although God provided all that for them, beloved, it was not automatic that they enter into it. They had their part to play in it. There was something that they had to do on their part. God wasn't going to do it all for them. You parents understand that. Your child will get to a certain place in life after you've provided everything that they need to become a productive citizen of the United States of America and also a productive fruit-bearing plant in the kingdom of God. And once you've brought them to that place, it's up to them to be responsible for their lives. Amen? Amen. We understand that. God did all that was essential and necessary for them to experience the abundance of life, but yet they failed to enter in because of these giants that we mentioned that stood before them and got in their way. Beloved, listen to what God says in Deuteronomy 26.1. It shall be when thou art come in unto the land. They came to the land. They came to the land of promise. They have come to the land. They came to the land. They stood there under Moses' leadership. They got to the place where there's the promised land. They came under the land. But that's as far as they went. Notice he says then, secondly, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possesseth it. It wasn't enough for them to come to the land. They had to possess the land. And then thirdly, he said, and dwellest therein. What he means by that is you must come to the place that you have knowledge of what I have done for you. You must then make a decision of the will to see to it that you will, through violent force, possess what belongs to you. And once you have, you maintain it by living in it, abiding in it on a day-by-day basis, giving no ground back to the enemy. That's God's pattern, beloved, for success. You may be out there right now and you just started to hear more accurately what God has provided for you through Christ. Maybe you've heard it for the last two, three, or four years or whatever. And maybe you're right now settling in with discouragement and, and, and maybe a lack of spiritual initiative or unbelief or fear or whatever it is that's coming against you. I just want to encourage you this morning. And I believe it will be transmitted to you through this message by the Spirit of God. Enough encouragement that you'll rise up to a place of tenacious faith, ardent zeal, and violent force from within that'll get you motivated once again to get out there and reach for the stars. Reach for what is yours. Take it, because it belongs to you. It's yours. Jesus paid the price. Possess ye your land. You've only come to the land. You're coming to the knowledge of it. Don't stop there.
Don't let the enemy prevent you from possessing your land. That land may be your healing. It may be your deliverance. It may be your financial blessing. It may be your, your spirit man being healed, the brokenhearted being healed, experiencing the life-changing power of God. Whatever it is that belongs to you, the violent, take it by force. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, if you would quickly and kindly turn there. They came to the land, but they failed to possess it. Therefore, they could not experience it in reality. It was theirs for the taking, but they would not take it. They refused in a time of adversity or trouble. When they were challenged by the enemy to to see whether or not they would or would not, they failed the test. No, not the literal giants. For you see, they already conceded the land. If you read the book of Joshua, you'll discover that Rahab said, We've already given land to you as far as we were concerned. What took you so long to get here? Those weren't the giants that prevented them from experiencing the best that God had for them. The giants we mentioned already. Unbelief, fear, discouragement, lack of initiative, lack of patience. All these things, lack of vision, prevented them from experiencing what God had for them. God could only take them so far. The rest was up to them. But He said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. It's the land I have given you. Go possess it. You come to it. Now go take it. They refused to take it. And they, you know the story, died in the wilderness without experiencing the best that God had for them. Now the mantle changes. It shifts over. It goes from, the, from a, Moses being the leader to Joshua being the leader. God's promise has not changed. But under the leadership of Joshua, we discover that God raised up a new breed of people. Let's read it. Verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. The servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. I gave it to Moses. They didn't take it. I'm giving it to you, like I told Moses. From the wilderness... And this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now notice, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to them, their fathers, to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whither soever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein by day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then shalt thou thy make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I want you to notice that under the leadership of Joshua, these people came to the land of promise, 
These people possessed the land of promise, and these people began to dwell in the land that God had promised them under the leadership of Moses, but they failed to enter in. Beloved, we have the same thing existent today in our society in Christianity. We have those that are under the mindset of those, same mindset of those that were under Moses, or we have those that are of the new breed who are under the leadership of Joshua. Those, in other words, that have the tenacity of faith. Those that have that bulldog tenacity, that violent force attitude from within that says, I will not be denied. I will take what is mine by force. I will not be denied. These are people who are of vision. Whereas the others had the inability to see beyond what their five physical senses told them, these people under the leadership of Joshua possessed the land because they were a people of vision. They didn't lack vision. They saw beyond the fortified walls of Jericho. No matter how fortified they were, they said their God was bigger than Jericho. Their God is bigger than those walls. They were also people of courage. As Joshua was told, be of good courage. They were not discouraged. They were of great courage. And that's exactly what God told Joshua. They would not fear. They would not lose heart. They would not cave in under the extreme pressure of circumstances. It didn't matter what came against them. They would not faint and lose heart. These were people of initiative. They had that inward something on the inside that moved them, that motivated them, that driving force from within that pressed them toward entering into that promised land. Beloved, I've asked the Father that question many times. What words can I speak? What can I say that would pierce the very hearts of your people, that would instill with them that driving force, that no-quit attitude, that would motivate them to pursue all that there is in Christ Jesus our Lord? What words can possibly be said that would pierce through and penetrate the darkness that hovers over the lives of so many, causing them to cave in, faint, lose heart, give up, and throw in the towel before experiencing the best that you have for them. They were people with initiative possessing a violent, driving, tenacious faith that refused to quit. They wouldn't turn their back. How did they do it? Beloved, when they came to Jericho, these people, under the leadership of Moses, they were no different than those who were under the leadership, I'm, I'm saying of Joshua, under the leadership of Moses, they were no different. Under the leadership of Moses, they had the same set of circumstances. Under the leadership of Joshua, they had the same set of circumstances. The only thing that was different was the heart attitude of the people. That's all. They were just a new breed. When they faced opposition, just like the others faced opposition, they handled their opposing forces with different attitudes and their own personal forces that proved to be greater 
than the force of the enemy. First of all, they trusted the Lord with all their heart. Make note of that. And they leaned not to their own understanding. They trusted their God from their heart. They leaned not to their own understanding. Under Moses, they trusted in their own understanding. They leaned not unto God. They didn't trust their God from their heart. They leaned on their own understanding. That's the difference between the two. The circumstances were the same. The people were different. These were people that had faith in their heart. These were people that trusted Him and not their own understanding. Secondly, they did not speak the language of the enemy. Something that's very important. How did they overcome the opposition that was there to prevent their entrance into the promised land? Surrounded with fortified walls was the city of Jericho. The Israelites were told it's their land. They had to go possess it. How did they experience victory in battle and take what belonged to them? They trusted God with all of their heart. They leaned not to their own understanding. They spoke not the words of the enemy, thus cooperating with him, adding strength to his scheme, opening themselves up to defeat and destruction. For they were silent. You recall the story. You shall walk around the walls, not once, not twice, but seven times on the seventh day, seven times on the seventh day, and the walls will come down. They spoke not a word, uttered not a sound. They trusted God with their heart. They uttered not a sound to agree with the enemy. And may I say this? Can you imagine what their heads were screaming out on the fifth day? They, they went around those walls of Jericho. I believe more than anything else... This message illustrates the fact that you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and still watch God work on your behalf. By the fifth day, their heads were screaming out. I mean screaming out. They're human beings like we're human beings. They're no different than we are. Their heads were screaming out by the fifth day. And I mean they probably wanted to explode. Their tongues wanted to explode with words that God forbid them to speak. He knew they would side with the enemy. He said, be silent before my presence. You know, as I began meditating upon this, I realized something here. The Bible says that one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day before the Lord. If you follow that through, and you realize how long these people kept their mouths shut before God, doing it one day was as if they did it for a thousand years. Doing it two days was as if they did it for 2,000 years. There is no time in, with God, in the realm of God. 
There's only time on our part and here while we're here. But as far as God was concerned, their mouths were shut. They weren't speaking the voice or the language of the enemy, which was the language of fear, doubt, unbelief, discouragement, murmuring and complaining. One day, 1,000 years in His sight. Two days, 2,000 years in His sight. Three days, 3,000 years in His sight. As far as God was concerned, they were doing it until they got results. Do you see that? Someone says, I didn't speak anything negative for an half an hour. My, my, my. Doesn't work that way. It's an attitude that says, I won't speak. I won't align myself with the enemy with words of doubt and unbelief. I won't speak words that will cooperate with the enemy's scheme. I refuse. Number three, they remain unchanged. In other words, they were a patient people. They remain unchanged. They went one day, did exactly what God said to do. Didn't say a word. They blow the trumpet. The ram's horn. They went the second day, did the identical thing. Didn't say a word. Remain unchanged. Probably got some mocking from the people up on the fortified walls. What are you lunatics doing down there? Didn't say a word. Didn't utter a sound. Remaining unchanged in the midst of it all. The Bible says that we must be followers of them or those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. In other words, those who through faith and being unchanging in circumstances inherited the promises of God. They did it one day, it's a thousand years. They did it two days, it's as if they did it for two thousand years before God. Three days, it's as if you did it three thousand years before God. There's no time with God. The point being this, you'll do it until you get a result and you won't stop. As far as God's concerned. They were patient, unmoving, unchanging, regardless of the circumstances. And finally, if you read through that, you'll discover that on that seventh day, they praised God before they ever saw any manifestation of His power. They praised God before they ever saw any manifestation of His power. Now, I want you to catch something here, beloved. Here were these people of faith, believing God, trusting God, not leading their own understanding. Their minds were about to explode because I'm sure they had thoughts, I mean thoughts, inside their being, such as, My feet are awfully sore. Do we have to walk around again? You know how I don't like walking that far. It's a long way around. I don't like carrying this Ark of the Covenant. This thing gets pretty heavy after a while. I mean, if God... Does he just do it on the first day? God is God. Why does it take three days? Why does it take four days? How many times have you heard people say that? Oh, I tried it for a day or two. And then can you imagine all oh, the division and maybe the sanction or confusion or just whatever? He blew the ram's horn yesterday. I want to blow it today. It's my turn, Joshua. Give me that horn. I want to blow it today. This is boring as can possibly be. Let's just do something more lively here. I can do it better. I'll put a jazz tune behind it. Glory to God, I'll show you what. And before you know it, you've got the rapper on it. He wants to have his opportunity. I'll show you what music's all about. I'll let you know what it's all about. I'll show you how to get your feet to dancing. Can you imagine the attitudes that must have existed? Can you imagine what their minds were about to do? Seven days are about to explode. Words wanting to come out of their mouths through their lips, but they refuse to allow them to come out. I mean, you can't even imagine some of the things. 
Let's quit. This is foolish. This is ridiculous. Why should we continue? How many say that today, beloved? Oh, I've tried this. Let's quit. It's too hard. It's too far. I've been doing it for such a long time. Oh, we need patience. We need violence within the heart. A stirring up from within that says it doesn't matter if it's one day or a thousand days. It doesn't matter if it's two days or two thousand years. It doesn't matter if it's three days or three thousand years that I say, body, line up to the Word of the living God. Father God, I praise You that my body is whole. I praise You that cancer can't live in my body. Lord, and not siding with the Word of the enemy, not cooperating with His scheme against our lives, trying to get us to, to cave in, lose heart, and be defeated. Oh, beloved... Then they praised God, and as they lifted up their voice to God, praising Him, the ram's horn began to blow. Out of that silence, you want to talk about a thunderous, a thunderous shout of praise. Oh, I believe that if you were there, you'd have had some earplugs. You'd have needed some earplugs because when after seven days, I mean after seven days of silence, absolute silence, not being able to say anything, they began to explode with thunderous praise unto God. And those fortified walls, the Bible says, came down as they praised God before they saw anything. God's power went in operation and the walls came down. That wall represents any spiritual Jericho you may have. Those walls represent any physical sickness or disease that we may have. Those walls represent any, anything that can come against us, any problem, any difficulty, any circumstance, whatever it is that we encounter in life. Praise God when we, like they, do exactly what they did, make a determination of heart to possess the land and say what belongs to me is mine and there's no devil in hell, there's not enough demons alive that can prevent me from experiencing what is mine because I will demonstrate a tenacity of faith I will demonstrate an ardent zeal. I'll demonstrate violent force that says, I'm not walking away without the blessings of God in my life. It's my possession. It's my inheritance. And you, devil, can't have it or prevent me from experiencing it. Beloved, if you have come to the land and you've just started learning about faith, and maybe some of you, this is a foreign message to you. You've never heard anything like this. You've, all you've heard in your life was, well... If, if, God, if something happened that was terrible, maybe God had His hand in it and God wanted to do something like that. If that's all you've ever heard about God, I, I feel so bad because the Bible says God is a sun and shield. He gives us grace and glory and no good thing will He withhold from them who walk uprightly. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variables, neither shadow of turning. The Bible says that God does not tempt us or try any man with evil at all whatsoever. The Bible said by Jesus Himself, I've come to give abundant life, but the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Whatever steals life, steals, kills, destroys. Anything that takes away from life does not come from God Almighty. It's time that we wake up and get on the right side. We're on this kingdom, in the kingdom of the living God. And we take our stand believing that what God has provided for us through Christ is ours and I will possess the land and walk in the light of it. And my body's got to line up to the Word. The circumstance has to line up to the Word. Whatever has to line up to the Word of God. As far as I am concerned, how do I do it? You put on the same mindset that they had. I believe God from my heart. I'm not leaning what my head says. My head says you can't make it, you're going under. But my heart says you can trust God's Word because whatever He said, He's going to perform in your life. You do it the same way these did. These people did the same way. Not speaking the language of the enemy. You speak to that thing in the name of Jesus. What is it that ails you today? 
You know, we thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. There could be spiritual manifestations and instant healings or whatever. But what is it? Is it your arm? Is it your leg? Is it rheumatoid arthritis? What is the condition? Is it a tumor in your body? You speak to that thing in, in the language of faith. And you curse it like Jesus said. That mountain has got to be removed. You tell it to be cast into the sea and it cannot stay in your body. You have no right to live in me. I possess the land of my inheritance which includes physical healing for my physical body and I will not be denied. 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 I will not speak the language of the enemy. I'll not speak the language of doubt, fear, or unbelief. I have the vision of God. I can see beyond the realm of the senses. I know my God is mightily at work in me. And as I speak in cooperation with His Word, I give Him opportunity to, live, to move in my, my life on my behalf to see to it that what He has provided for me in Christ becomes a reality in my life. So I refuse to speak the words of the enemy. I choose to speak the Word of the living God with regard to my circumstance. I will remain unchanging unto the end. That's the third thing they did. They were unchanging. On the first day, they were unchanging. On the second day, they were unchanging. On the third day, they were unchanging. They do the same thing. I know that there are those that will say, this is boring. I've heard it over and over, time and time again. But you know what? The second day, they took the same steps. The third day, they took the same steps. The fourth day, they took the same steps. On the fifth day, they took the same steps. On the sixth day, they took the same identical steps that they did every time prior to it. Beloved... Naaman the leper had to dip seven times into the water Jordan, the river Jordan, until his leprosy would leave his body. On the first day it didn't happen. He took the same step the second day, the same step the third day, the same step the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth, the sixth time rather. And you know what? On the seventh dip, on the seventh dip, he had the tenacity of faith, the violence within him to say, I'll do it all the way through to the end. And I want you to know every step of the way, every dip that he took, I'm sure his mind spoke out against him. I'm sure discouragement tried to come to his heart. I'm sure that fear tried to grip him just like them. I'm sure on the first day they began to fear the people. On the second day they wondered what was going to happen. Their minds were all clouded with all this doubt and unbelief. But they wouldn't speak it out. They did not allow it to be born inside them. Thoughts that are not spoken in word form die unborn, which is why faith in the heart will work without in the head. And as long as we don't give voice to what the enemy is putting in our thoughts, or our thoughts are speaking to our, our, our hearts, as long as we don't give voice to it, beloved, those thoughts die unborn. They remain encouraged. They remain full of faith. They remain full of, of zeal for God. And every step of the way, although they were contested and opposed, they refused to cave in, to faint, to lose heart. They refused to give up. They said, I will possess the land because it belongs to me. And glory be to God. You know the end of the story. The end of the story was they got their inheritance. They got their full blessings. See, Canaan's land, beloved, is a type of, of all the blessings and the benefits of the gospel. Are you ready for this? Under Moses, they had the wrong mindset. They were, they were not going to go in and take it. Now, if God would have just gave it to them without them doing anything, they'd have had it. But because it meant they had to believe and use tenacious faith, because they had to look beyond their senses... And remain encouraged and not discouraged. They weren't going to do their part. Are you kidding me? But under Joshua, God raised up a new breed of people. I mean to tell you, a people that said, I'm not quitting. Whether it's one day or a thousand years. Whether it's two days or a thousand or two thousand years. Three days or three thousand years. I will say, with the stripes I'm healed. I will say what God said about my situation or condition until I see the results. It's my provision. It's my benefit. I'm going to be like the Joshua breed. And in the New Testament, you'll find there was a woman exactly like that. The Canaanite woman who went to Jesus for the deliverance of, of her child. 
And she was not walking away without deliverance. He could have spit on her. She would have wiped it off and said, I'm not leaving. He could have kicked her. He'd never do it, but he could have. She would have said, that hurt, but I'm not leaving. He said, it's not right for me to give the children's bed to a dog. She said, truth, Lord. It's right. But I don't want the bread. Dogs have rights to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. He couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't take it. Do you understand that? He couldn't take it anymore. That woman wanted her daughter healed. That woman wanted her daughter delivered and set free. That devil cast out her body restored to health and vitality and strength. And you know what? Even though Jesus seemingly was harsh with her and said all those negatives to her, you know what? She wasn't going anywhere. She wasn't going anywhere. She wasn't offended by what he said. She took everything he said and used it for her good. Oh, would to God that we could have people like that. Everything he said, she just took it and used it for her own good. As a result, everything fell right into place like the pieces of a puzzle inside her heart. Got to the place that Jesus could not hold back any longer and said, Woman, great is thy faith. Be it to you according to your will. How many has he ever said that to? Be it to you according to your will. And the devil went out of her daughter and she was healed in the selfsame hour. Possessing your land by force. Possessing it by force. The force of faith and patience and the force of God's almighty power. As you refuse to cave in and, and faint and lose heart. As you choose to walk with God. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.